1: We are on Voice America Radio, also simulcast, live on Jane Unchained News' Facebook page. And I want to start out, before we get to our incredible panel, just saying a word about what's happening today and saying that our movement um, is about peace, it's about justice, and it's about nonviolence. And we pray, I pray, uh, for all of that, for all beings on this earth and for everyone today. And um, so I'd just like to say that if anybody else wants to say anything as we get started, please do. All right, well, uh, how do we achieve a peaceful world, a nonviolent world, a just world? Dr. Michael Greger is an esteemed author and he is the author of two timely books among many others, How to Survive a Pandemic and how not to die. Dr. Gregor? we are in a, uh, an incredible time right now, but also in a pandemic, as we have people taking to the streets. Your thoughts on that from, from a medical perspective, given that you're an expert in pandemics.
2: Well, uh, certainly this is very concerning. Uh, the, uh, the good news is that most of the protesters are young, and should they become infected are not expected to suffer severe course, my concern is that they go home to grandparents, or uh, um, particularly those with pre uh, pre morbid conditions, those with diabetes or high blood pressure or obesity or heart disease. Um, they could potentially infect them and spread the um, virus around. Particularly under conditions of tear gas, where you're coughing, you're shouting. These are this is like the this is like a virus's dream from a respiratory droplet standpoint. But you can totally understand the enragement among the protesters. Um, but it's just—it's uh, just a bad time to be out on the streets, though understandable from a medical standpoint. Um, it makes me nervous.
1: Yes. Now you've been writing about pandemics since you were in college. You actually wrote about mad cow disease before anybody uh, knew what that was. You were also involved. Uh, in the big hullabaloo when um, Howard Lyman went on Oprah and revealed the horrors of the animal agriculture industry. And Oprah famously said, that just stopped me cold from eating a burger. Then uh, the cattlemen sued her. And uh, there was really national focus on um, the, the dark underbelly of our animal agriculture system and what really happens. Um, Where are we today? Because obviously we're dealing with a zoonotic disease right now that started in animals, jumped to humans, and um, almost invariably involves abuse of animals in the process.
2: You know, over the last few decades, human diseases have emerged at a rate unprecedented in human history. You say, wait a second, emerged from where? Mostly from animals. The AIDS virus is blamed on the bushmeat trade, butchering primates in Africa. Uh, mad cow disease was because we turned cows into carna- carnivores and cannibals. SARS and COVID-19 have been traced back to the exotic wild animal trade. But our last pandemic, swine flu in 2009, arose not from some backwater wet market in Asia, but was largely made in the USA on uh, industrial pig factories here in the United States. Thankfully, Swine flu only killed about a half a million people, but the next time we may not be so lucky.
1: Now, uh, where are we today in terms of future pandemics? Because, you know, I liken this to addiction. America has a meat and dairy addiction. And um, being in recovery myself, 25 years sober, I know a few of those phrases. And one of them is, uh, every bottom has a trap door. In other words, if you don't get it when you hit a wall and you get uh, bad consequences, and certainly this pandemic is a bad consequence of our abusive animals in the food system um, and our abusive animals in general on a planetary basis, then something even worse could come down the pike. Is it's there- as
2: devastating as COVID-19 has been, it may just be a dress rehearsal for an even greater threat waiting in the wings of chickens. According to the CDC, the leading candidate for the next pandemic is a bird flu virus called H7N9, which is 100 times deadlier than COVID-19. Instead, of one in 250 people dying, uh, H7N9 has killed 40% of the people it's infected. I mean, the last time a bird flu virus jumped directly to humans and triggered a pandemic, it triggered the deadliest plague in human history, the 1918 flu pandemic, which killed upwards of 50 million people. That had a 2% death rate. What if there was a pandemic infecting billions where death was more like a flip of a coin? But the good news is, is there something we can do about it? Just as you know, eliminating the exotic animal trade and live animal markets may go a long way towards preventing the next coronavirus pandemic. Reforming the way we raise domestic animals for food may help forestall the next killer flu.
1: Now, all of us here are animal activists. Uh, we work to reverse climate change and to improve human health by getting people off. Uh, the foods, the meat and dairy that contribute to heart disease, cancer, etc. Um, when you look at what's happening now culturally, Dr. Greger, where we're seeing massive depopulation of these pigs and chickens and other animals, uh, just last night, uh, in the midst of basically uh, mayhem coast-to-coast and a national uprising, there was also something else going on. Uh, There were um, efforts to continue depopulating pigs in Iowa, and um, an organization called Direct Action Everywhere actually went to where it was happening and tried to block the trucks and is urging the nation to call the governor of Iowa and say, stop, because they produced undercover video that I I barely glanced at, but it is one of the most horrifying things you've ever seen of the mass asphyxiation, slow, just extended torture to death of animals that is being falsely described as euthanasia uh, by the media. Can you talk to me about that?
2: Well, I mean, look, uh, it's not as if the lives of these animals is much better during normal times, you know, when we overcrowd thousands uh, of animals, in these cramped, filthy football field-sized sheds to lie beak-to-beak beak or snout-to-snout snout there on the waste, it's just a, a breeding ground for disease, the sheer numbers of animals, uh, the, the overcrowding, the stress crippling their immune systems, the ammonia from the decomposing waste burning their lungs, the lack of fresh air, lack of sunlight. You put all these factors together, what you have is a, kind of a, a perfect storm environment for the emergence of so-called super strains of influenza. That's why the American Public Health Association, the largest and oldest association of public health professionals in the world, has called for a moratorium on factory farms. No more factory farms because they represent a public health menace.
1: And indeed, um, there is also, you know, we're talking about inequality in our world. We're talking about racism today. And we also can include that uh, to mean environmental racism and dietary racism. Um, You know, you're shaking your head, Gwona. Do you wanna jump in for a second and talk about the impact of animal agriculture on the environments of um, certain communities um, who are near uh, slaughterhouses, near concentrated animal feeding operations?
3: Yeah, you know, right before um, we all got locked down, but it was on on the verge, I had gone to um, a demonstration that was about environmental injustice. And I think I was in the community of San Pedro, I believe, and so many indigenous people, African-Americans, different cultures were speaking out about these type of issues. In addition to things that I had no idea about, about uh, airplanes dumping fuels right near their homes, um, so many different things that I had no idea that are considered environmental injustice. And when I saw that, it, it was a shock because, you know, as, as vegans, as animal rights activists, like, I, I'm realizing you can't learn enough. Like, it, it just, you keep finding out all these different injustices that happen, and it just becomes a shock to the system. One of the things that I really, really appreciated in the movement in the past year was when uh, Dr. Milton Mills Um, started speaking out about the milk industry and how he confronted them about how they know that most people, especially African-Americans and different minorities, um, have an aversion to dairy, but they still have it on the food pyramid as a dietary guideline. And so that was a moment in history that I think um, was just really amazing because I know when I was growing up, I had issues with it, but I just blamed my body as most people did, they didn't blame the actual, um, you know, milk, because we were programmed to believe that that's what you're supposed to consume. Even to this day, like, hey, to out, out her, but even my mom, like, she's on the verge, and she's done a lot of eliminating. But sometimes she's like, oh, my body needs milk. And it's like, no, your body doesn't need milk. You need the calcium, but you don't need the cow. So it's, and she's, Follows everything I do, and it's still the programming is still so embedded.
1: All right, and Dr. Gregor, can you comment on that? And I apologize, uh, of course, the uh, recycling truck pulls up at this very moment. <laughs> but yes, um, comment on that because right now, today, as we speak, and obviously this is an evergreen. But um, the USDA today is the deadline. June first, twenty twenty, is the deadline for people to comment and tell uh, the USDA uh, Advisory Committee that we want to remove dairy from the food group as a guideline and say, uh, essentially the USDA pushes dairy and that is uh, dietary racism. Can you address that Dr. Gregor?
2: I was honored to be with Dr. Mills uh, when we testified before a Dietary Guidelines Committee um, and commented on the uh, the whiteness of the committee period. No wonder that they're pushing a substance which is completely unnatural for the human species. I mean, first of all, milk is for babies. You know, no mammal drinks milk after weaning, that's the whole point. And then to drink milk of another species makes absolutely no sense. And most human beings on this planet cannot digest lactose, cannot digest the the sugar in milk, which can lead to bloating and flatulence and diarrhea, gastrointestinal symptoms, yet, the the yet the the, uh, the federal guidelines suggest um, that uh, that milk is somehow required. Although they do, if you actually read the guidelines, um, uh, they consider uh, uh, fortified soy milk to be equivalent. Uh, but of course, you don't hear that uh, coming out of the guidelines. Um, and uh, so, I would encourage people to instead, for example, follow the uh, Harvard Healthy Eating Guidelines, which suggest the best sources of protein are plant protein. And there's zero need for dairy in the diet.
1: Now, if we're talking about in this day and age and this moment in our nation where we are really um, having to look inward and ask ourselves uh, about the choices we make and the assumptions we make, is this something that people who are upset about racism across the board should focus on? because it impacts health, it impacts finances, it impacts um, really uh, the environment. And so what would you say, Dr. um, uh, to people who are upset about the system in terms of their diet? What should people do? Because there's nothing more powerful than a dollar bill and a consumer. And if consumers are spending their money um, and giving money toward a dietary system that is oppressing them in the form of fast food, in the form of junk food, in the form of meat and dairy and food deserts, is that something that um, people should also rise up against? And I know that, for example, Tracy McWherter, who is an incredible African American um, nutrition expert, is really hammering this uh, with her campaign by any greens necessary.
2: We love Tracy. Yeah, that's one of the things I miss about Washington, D.C., is uh, being close to Tracy and her mom. But, um, oh, yeah, look, according to the Global Burden of Disease Study, the largest study of risk factors for disease in history, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the number one cause of death in these United States is our diet. Bumping tobacco, smoking to number two, cigarettes not only kill a half million Americans, whereas our diet kills many more. Also a leading cause of disability as well. And we're not just talking chronic disease, the same diet that sets people up for, for, you know, obesity, heart disease, high blood pressure, and type 2 diabetes is the same one that is putting people at particular risk from uh, disease and death from COVID-19. So from a chronic disease standpoint, from an infectious disease standpoint, we really need to shift our diet. But the good news is, look what's happening to the dairy industry. As you said, we can vote with our fork. We can vote with our grocery dollar. Thanks to the the constellation of new consumer choices in the dairy case, major dairy companies in this country are going bankrupt because fluid milk sales have uh, have plummeted downward. Um, And so uh, the same kind of innovation is also happening in the meat case right now. And it's not just from the Tofurkeys of the world. We're talking about Tyson Hormel, Smithfield, Purdue, Cargill, some of the biggest meat producers in the world have all started entirely plant-based lines or blending in plant protein. Um, uh, Cargill is, 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 is producing uh, chi- uh, plant-based chicken nuggets for KFC in China. There's an, undergoing a sea change in the meat industry as well. They're reorienting themselves as protein companies, not meat companies. And so Why why are they doing that? They're doing that because people are demanding it. People want this. They're willing to vote um, with their wallet, And so that's why it's so important to educate people about the benefits for both global health from a pandemic standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, from a personal health standpoint, to shift our diet away from animal agriculture.
1: You are listening to Dr. Michael Greger. He is a multiple New York Times bestselling author, the founder of NutritionFacts.org. If you want to uh, get rid of the junk food, the bad food, the meat and the dairy and get to a whole food plant based diet, go visit NutritionFacts.org. It is absolutely incredible. There's so many experts there. Giving you the recommendations. I also like your book "How Not to Diet," which uh, I have on my Audible list, which I'm going to be uh, listening to in the near future. Because you know, part of it is that despite n- being nutritionally deficient, two thirds of Americans are overweight or obese as well. So. Uh, it, One of the things that that Dr. Silas Rao, who is uh, just a brilliant uh, systems analyst, said that really stuck with me is they're factory farming us too. In other words, they're factory farming the animals, they're exploiting the animals, they're abusing the animals, but they need us to, to get sick fat and nearly dead to quote a documentary uh, about the issue so they can sell us the pharmaceuticals, which is a multi-billion dollar industry. And in mainstream media, when you try to discuss that, they don't want to talk about it. They just want to talk about healthcare plans and which plan and uh, the the nuances of the politics, but they don't want to talk about why people are sick. And uh, before we go to break, last answer, um, and then we're going to take some calls. Isn't it Um, really a system designed to get us sick so that the pharmaceutical industry can make money, doctor?
2: The system is designed to make money. I mean, the CEO of Coca-Cola is not rubbing their sticky hands together trying to think of ways to contribute to the childhood obesity epidemic. They just realize if you want to fulfill the, the quarterly returns for your stockholders, you'll sell brown sugar water. You can't sell produce. Produce goes bad. You want a, you know, a, a snack cake that sits on the shelf for a few weeks. Mm. The system is just set up um, such that the most profitable foods are the least healthy foods. And it doesn't help that taxpayers are subsidizing by the hundreds of millions of dollars to make cheap animal feed for dolly, dollar menu burgers, cheap corn syrup um, for to make junk food. So collectively, because of the stranglehold, that Big Ag and Big Pharma have within the Washington Beltway, these common sense, simple measures that would boost the public health of American society have been systematically ignored. That's why we need to take control of our own health. We can't wait until society catches up to the science. We can't wait until the policymakers finally come around. We need to take responsibility for our own health and for our community's health.
1: All right, so you heard it here from Dr. Michael Greger and our panel, who's gonna weigh in in a second. You know, if you're upset about the way things are and you see injustice and violence, peace begins on your plate. The most powerful thing you can do is start eating a whole food plant-based diet and deprive these mega multinational corporations of the money that they're using to keep the system going that is – Contains environmental racism, dietary racism, and uh, poor health and uh, climate devastation. So we're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we are live on Facebook. We got some callers. Stay right there. All right. Let's uh, let
0: Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to Jane Unchained News at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: All right, we're here with an incredible panel and Dr. Michael Greger, the author of so many books. We'd be here all day we're just reading the titles, but How Not to Die, How to Survive a Pandemic, two very timely titles. Let's get to some quick questions. James, uh, what is your question or thought, James?
0: Oh, hey, first I just want to give my appreciation for Dr. Greger and all the great work he does, like so much information that's helping, helping so many people. Um, but my question is, um, I have quite a bit of people that I tried to help to switch over to a plant-based diet, and a lot of them say, well, oh, I tried that for a while, and it, it didn't work for me. Um, you know, oh, I, need to eat, I need to eat eggs. You know, I just don't feel right. Maybe, um, do you have any idea of a good source of information where they can, um, <clears throat> to help dispel the idea that they need to have this egg um, to feel better, or they think that they, they need meat to feel better? Yeah,
1: that's a great
2: question. Go ahead. Thank you for your question, James. There are some just wonderful resources out (laughs) there, not only on the why. We've always had really great resources, books and websites and movies and documentaries on the why to start eating plant-based. But now we have just as wonderful resources as to the how, kind of the practical guides on making the transition once you see the light. Um, One of my favorite is uh, the 21-day Kickstart program by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. If you go to 21daykickstart.org, they have a free program, starts at the first of every month, goes for three weeks, hundreds of thousands of people have done it. It's a bunch of different languages. You do it as a group, you get daily inspiration and recipes and tips, um, and, and, and you share as part of a group in the hopes that, you know, if you really go all in, then by the end of the three weeks, you'll be feeling so much better, increase energy, improve sleep less painful periods, you know, uh, better, uh, better in, intestinal function, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera, such that by the end of those three weeks is no longer a doctor wagging their finger in your face to eat healthier. Your own body is telling you how good you could feel, but you won't know until you give it a try.
1: All right, Lisa, what is your question or thought, Lisa? Hi, Jane, thank you so much for having Dr. Michael Greger on. Dr. Greger, I have been following you for so many years. Since I've been a food for life instructor for a physician's committee, what I'd like to know is what would be the impact on the animal agriculture industry if the federal subsidies were repealed? And what do you think needs to be done to repeal these subsidies?
2: Great. Thank
1: you. Go ahead, Dr. Gregor.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the reason why there's dollar, there's dollar menu meat is because our taxpayer dollars are going to subsidize the sugar industry, the high fructose corn syrup industry to make uh, cheap soda and subsidizing feed crops. You know, I talked about it in How Not to Diet uh, two books ago, you know, when's the last time you sat down to some sorghum? Why are we giving hundreds of millions of dollars to the sorghum industry? It's a feed crop. It's just used to make cheap meat. It's basically handing taxpayer dollars to the meat industry um, uh, to be able to lower their prices. And so look, it, One could argue we shouldn't be subsidizing agriculture at all. But if we are going to put money in the food system, let's subsidize fruits and vegetables. Let's make for a healthier population. Um, Now, uh, I don't want to overstate the case. So, for example, um, uh, subsidizing high fructose corn syrup, subsidizing the corn industry uh, may only be a matter of like eight cents. Every every bottle of, of soda would be eight cents more expensive if it wasn't for taxpayer subsidies. Now, of course, the soda industry fights tooth and nail to maintain that extra eight cents on a bottle, but it's not make or break. People would still drink soda. People would still be eating burgers. But certainly, um, compared to the consumer price index, meat and dairy has been getting cheaper over the last 50 years, whereas fruits and vegetables, healthy food, has been getting more expensive. And if we really cared about America's health, it would be the opposite.
1: Okay, Dr. Greger, I know we only have a few more minutes with you, so let me ask you this. In fact... uh, there is a boycott meat uh, movement by LULOC, the nation's largest Latino civil rights organization representing the workers who are not just Latino but are overwhelmingly immigrant. In fact, in one slaughterhouse, there are 30 languages spoken. And um, these slaughterhouses have become COVID-19 hotspots. And because the administration declared them to be critical infrastructure on the defense, under the Defense Protection Act, uh, these workers are essentially being forced to go in there and, and many have died now and many others are sick and then they're going back into their communities and spreading the virus. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on all of that?
2: You know, propping up the meat industry is the last thing we need right now, right? Not only because meat overconsumption worsens risk factors like heart disease for crashing from COVID-19, but because big egg may be brewing up big flu, a, a slew of new swine and bird flu viruses that could potentially trigger the next pandemic. That wonderful um, civil rights organization is having a press conference this Thursday at uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern. I'm honored to be a part of that um, and it would encourage people uh, to uh, listen in in hopes that we can get this critical message out there um, that we need to shift the food system to protect human health, worker health, global health, and environmental health.
1: Yeah. And so this is another aspect of environmental racism. Uh, Very few, um, I mean, predominantly almost 100% of the slaughterhouse workers are people of color. And so uh, they are forced to go in there and they, uh, under the Defense Protection Act, they don't really have legal recourse if something happens to them. So what's your take on that as the nation and the world looks at um, the issue of racism through many different prisms. Uh, and that's one of them.
2: Unfortunately, I won't be able to, ma- uh, to, to answer that question. I have to jump off to another interview, but thank you so much. Keep up the fantastic work you're doing, Jane.
1: You know, Dr. Gregor, you're my hero. We love you. I, I don't know how you write so many books, but keep at it. See you soon. I will. We'll see you on Thursday. Yes. All right. Well, uh, let me uh, bring in our panel. Uh, let's go around and uh, start with Danny Rukin. You were listening. What do you think of uh, what the doctor said about essentially, you know, this, this moment in history? Where there is so much upheaval is also an opportunity for us to take the power back in a lot of different ways. And one of the key ways to take power back is through consumer dollars. And some of the key ways to spend consumer dollars is food.
4: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I am so honored to be on this panel and to listen to Dr. Gregor. I watched his talk. It's almost one hour. It was over 10 years ago that he was talking about the pandemic, the the biggie that was going to come. And this isn't even the biggie. So it's an honor. He was even talking about the toilet paper shortage over 10 years ago. So people need to watch that. I'm also honored that he started nutritionfacts.org because as a vegan, and I eat pretty nutritiously, pretty whole foods plant-based, I play, that. don't get me wrong, but, uh, and Gwenna knows that, you know, <laughs> I like to throw down, and I love to eat, And and but what I want to say is that nutritionfacts.org is so helpful because, you know, most often people want us to be experts on everything, on, on every aspect of veganism, and we can't possibly be, so I always tell, like, my family and other people, if you want to know the answer to protein, to nutrients, all this... Go to nutritionfacts.org, read how not to die. Now he's got how not to diet. That people should be, so there's that. But to get current, to get relevant and to bring it all together, I I think this is so important that we're talking about this. There is so much going on and it's a really critical time. I I was just watching with my eyes glued to Matt Johnson and direct action everywhere at the pig slaughterhouse, chaining themselves to the electric fence by the neck uh, for for hours and hours because in Iowa, at Iowa Select, because that's where the pigs are being brought in. If you haven't seen the footage, it's the same thing. Doing this to the most vulnerable among us is what, this is what an oppressive society, power structure does, is those who, they are, they are literally turning the heat up in these places to 150 degrees, closing the vents, And you can hear, you can see the pigs screaming. And then the ones who have survived hours of that are then getting a bulk under the head. But I wanna get even more current. I don't wanna take up a lot of the time, but I'm I'm so emotional right now and I'm just starting to get my thoughts together. Um, This is a spiritual cancer, what's happening on every level. There is a deep, deep, we are spiritually bankrupt. There was a vacuum in this country and it got filled and it's been going on for a long time. And I feel I, I, I it's a very emotional, I have so many thoughts and feelings. Let me just get this out for a second because if we don't, we have to address this from every angle. And you know, as Marianne Williamson says, don't try to figure out what to do and then show up, just show up and you'll know what to do four years ago or four and a half years ago, when I realized the suffering of one elephant who is now being freed, Kavan from the Islamabad zoo, when I realized the suffering, I could no longer just stand by. And that led me to looking at the suffering of more and more. And I said, I will eat cardboard before I eat another animal. And I didn't know what that would mean. I just knew that I had to be a voice for the animals. And in order to do that, I had to stop eating them. And from there, I realized that if we don't, if those of us who have power do not stand up for those who have less of it, we are, nothing is going to change. And we have to look within ourselves without blame and shame. I want to just say, Calling people out does nothing. Shaming someone for not
1: knowing something or for not fully understanding something. Well, let me jump in. Sure. Because I was shamed into going vegan, okay? By Howard Lyman, the cattle rancher who went on Oprah. And when yeah. he was doing his book tour, he came in to do an interview with me. I was a local news anchor in LA and I was a you know, half-arsed vegetarian. And they came up to me and they said, do you eat dairy? And I said, yes. And Howard Lyman and his publicist said, liquid meat. Liquid meat. And and I was shamed into going vegan. Page person's roach. Um, And I'm not saying go around and start shaming people. And and I will say, I will say with my fur. If you always are oh so very polite and we're seeing it today, you know, nothing changes. And not
4: polite. uh, Polite um, is different. Polite. Right. I'm not saying be polite necessarily, not at all. And let's have Gwenna speak to this too, because I'm not saying all right, be polite.
1: Gwenna, jump but, in. Jump yeah. in. On, on which part? This is a, well, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot going on here, but we're taught. I think that mm. the commonality here is that, as Martin Luther King said, when one is oppressed, all are That's oppressed. Right. That's Justice right. Justice anywhere is injustice (laughs) everywhere. Everywhere. And I know that there's a tremendous resistance and you have to be very careful comparing the plight of um, non-human beings to human beings because people take offense, which they shouldn't. We're all God's creatures. Um, But um, it's a, a system of moral bankruptcy where people and animals are treated as units of production. Yes. And there is contempt for suffering. That is the commonality. Yeah. Take it away.
3: And people have Exploiting that resent it. that resentment of being compared to animals because they haven't evolved to that level of consciousness yet. So they just haven't arrived there yet. Just like when we were all eating animals, we didn't know. We just hadn't arrived there yet. So because I'm seeing a lot of on social media so much anger and rage towards vegans as well so i know on my page right yeah. now i'm i'm being very caught con- well so like um, on my page there were some conversations and people it was when the situation happened with the lady i think amy and yeah. she mm-hmm. ha- with her dog and i posted amy about Kobe it over. yeah There's and i posted about over. it and so many people you know because the person that was physically harmed was the dog the person mm-hmm. that was um, intellectually and emotionally harmed was the man. And so I also said, oh God, look at what she did, you know, in the comments, you know, like she was choking the dog. And so people are like, oh, you care more about the dog than you care about about us. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not the, the situation. I care about both. But I'm just addressing that because that was probably one of the most shocking aspects to it because it was actually, you know, looked like the dog was being actually abused. And so oh people that are, so many people that are plant-based they're strictly about the food they, they haven't made wait, that connection.
1: May I, may I just say this and yes. I love your comments Thank you Gwenna. I would like to jump in because um, and maybe Paige and Kim can address this. I want to say something to wait Danny. wait hold on though Danny yeah. because pa- Paige has been waiting for 45 minutes and hasn't said but anything. I want to say something to uh,
4: with Gwenna because I think I think I want I want to make sure we stay on Gwenna's point. You know what's interesting, Gwenna, is I was I watched that dialogue, and what I also thought about is that when a white woman is calling the police on a black man, Mm -hmm. we know
1: that if the police come, and I want you to address that—that when the but but Danny, look, I'm sorry, I I just I just was in the middle of making a point, and I would like to finish it. Thank you. And what I want to say is. Compassion and love is not mutually exclusive, and uh, I think your point, Gwenna, was showing compassion um, is—it's not an either-or; it's not a choice. Because I will say this: I am often accused, being a vegan, of just caring about animals, not people. No, world hunger exists because of meat and dairy we could eliminate world hunger and the majority of children and other people suffering from world hunger are people of color in third world countries who do not have enough to eat because in the united states and in other developed nations we are growing torturing and killing 50 to 70 billion land animals who eat 40 times at least what they produce as food the overwhelming majority of soy is fed to farm animals. Huge percentage of corn and wheat is fed to farm animals. If we redirected that food to, to starving people, we could end world hunger. I care about people. And I take offense when somebody says that I just care about animals. And I and, and I don't mean to interrupt you, Danny, but I'd like to get um, everybody's reaction to this. So, Paige, do you
5: want to jump in? Okay, yes. A lot has been said here today. Um, What I want to say is this. Um, There have been people definitely coming out and saying that we just care about vegans. Uh, Vegans just care about the animals. And what I want to say is that, and there's also been conversation about silence. And what I want to say is I know that there are thousands, millions of people out there that are being quiet right now or are trying to figure out what to say. And I know for myself, I've been diving in deeply. When I became a vegan, I was about the environment at first. Then I learned about the atrocities happening with the animals, and then I dove deep into what's happening with human beings. So on a human level, this has affected all of us. I'm gonna say all of us, and whether we are posting uh, on a regular basis, on our Instagram, on our Facebook, I know that it's affecting all of us. And the bottom line is we are human first and that we care about all beings. And that's what I want to say. And I know what you were saying, Gwen, about plant-based. Yes, a lot of plant-based people do have that disconnect still, I believe. But I believe that vegans have made the connection with all beings. And so I do want to say that to make that straight. Because for me, I feel that there has been some energy, but the bottom line is, it's not about my feelings either. That's the point I want to make too. A white woman, a white privilege, it's not about my feelings right now. It's about the feelings of those that are feeling injust, injustice, that are feeling oppressed. And that's the point I want to make as well. Well, I, I agree
1: with what everybody has said here. And I liked what Dr. Gregor said about, look at this from all angles because if we can achieve, if we can end, for example, dietary racism by today is the last day to tell the USDA um, we don't want dairy as a food group, and that's going to make a lot of children of color who are force-fed dairy every day in schools healthier. That's justice. Uh, If we um, stop eating animals and therefore slaughterhouse workers who are overwhelmingly, virtually 100%, people of color, recent immigrants, uh, don't have to die so that somebody can have a slice of bacon. That's justice. So I personally feel that this um, melds very well. And again, I'll go back to what Martha said. Talk about food deserts. Everybody's oppressed. Yes, food deserts as well. <coughs>
6: uh, t- Kim, you want to jump in? I, I love... Um- Everything that everyone's saying, and I, I, you brought up a point about um, world hunger, and I, I wish th- there was some way we could make people realize, you know, it's how, how much of a difference it would make if, if we ate way less animals, or uh, of course, I'd love them to eat no animals and no dairy, but if, you know, if we, if we can address the world hunger issue, I think it would maybe make people think a little more. And I'm going to start talking about that a lot more, world hunger. So uh, we'll go
1: around. Gwenna, I want to get your thoughts on all of it in terms of melding animal rights with human rights um, and that we shouldn't be told it's an either or. I feel very strongly about that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's not an either or. In fact, um, the best way to help the most people would be for all of us to go whole foods, plant-based. We would stop climate change and actually begin to reverse climate change, we would end world hunger. We would reduce human disease. Isn't that justice for humans?
3: I fully agree. And and typically I am a driving force of you don't have to choose. That's usually my message to the people that subscribe to my page is like, you can care about animals and you can care about humans. You don't have to pick, pick sides. Right now, because things are so volatile, and people's tempers are so incredibly sensitive. I'm literally almost going, like I didn't do it yesterday, but I'm literally almost going through every single comment and trying to nurture each person and let them know that everything is gonna be okay, so.
1: I know this is so difficult and you are my hero. When uh, you are always there on the front lines, you go into the most difficult situations and I would also like to say that you are leading a group who is feeding houseless people and other people in need who desperately need food, and you're going out and feeding uh, people plant-based, healthy, nutritious food. Can you tell us about that?
3: Yes. so um, I'm with Vegan Outreach, and so one of the ways we're still functioning right now, because obviously we're not able to do community events and go to colleges, uh, we received some very, very generous support. And we have a program called Vegan Food Aid. And so Kim has recently joined the team and um, she's been a life freaking saver. <laughs> and so basically, uh, every week here in Los Angeles, um, I'm responsible for the LA area. Um, we go to um, certain communities. And we, Kim and I, last week, we went to Restaurant Depot, we went to Costco buying up beans and rice and pasta and spaghetti sauce and trying to, I wanted to buy everything, but our two cars just couldn't handle it. <laughs> so we had to limit it. Then we also get fresh produce. Um, and then we have two uh, vegan food trucks that will come out and everybody gets to get one of each. So they leave with two different uh, hot, vegan hot food plates, um, a big bag of produce, and a small bag of groceries. And I have to tell you, it's the most rewarding work I've ever done. It's exhausting, um, but it's incredibly rewarding. And, you know, we're really risking our own health because of all the contact that we have to do on these particular days. And, you know, I was hoping that um, Dr. Michael McGregor would stay on because, you know, one of the concerns, you know, as people are protesting and I totally, understand the protest, but he is right. You know, he brought it back home a little bit. The concern is that what if this thing, you know, in my mind, this thing mutates and everybody is now at risk. And it's like, almost like with this planet, like right now, like anything can happen. It's like so unpredictable, but yeah.
1: (laughs) And I just want to give a shout out to Kim. Um, There's a woman I've known for, uh, 30 years. She was my rollerblading teacher, helped me get sober 25 years ago. I'm 25 years sober in April. And she's a, a vegan and she's an elderly person now. And she couldn't get anybody to deliver uh, plant-based food to her. Uh, the local groups that were delivering food, kept. she kept calling me, Jane, they're, they're giving me pastrami. They're giving me deli slices. And, I, and th- these are dead animals. And I keep telling them, I don't want to eat this. I can't eat it. So the obscenity of sending food to somebody who's hungry that they can't eat while killing the animals and then having the food wasted it was just beyond my comprehension. I call, I tried to get these organizations to provide it, it was just a kafkaesque nightmare. So I called Kim and I said Kim help this 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 woman uh, I owe her my life. She helped me get sober 25 years ago and now she has nothing to eat. She's she's uh, got a broken like hip bone and she can't move around. And Kim, you went twice to feed her, uh, bless you. And she sent me so many photos of her eating the food. She was so happy. It brings tears to my eyes because she was just isolated and she had literally nothing to eat. Hmm. Um, and, and so thank you for doing that. And why the heck aren't people, these organizations feeding healthy food?
6: Well people people junk food is not the solution. I agree. And I, I want to give a, a he, hand, I mean I want to give a shout out to Vegan Outreach because the food I gave I brought to Debbie was um from vegan outreach from, from um our events that I was helping Gwenna with. And I noticed that one a couple it probably happened a few times, but I noticed um a couple of weeks ago when we were handing out food. One lady came and it was I don't know if it was out in the Park or Willowbrook and she got her bag of groceries and her bag of produce. And then she looked around. And she said, where's the meat? So I think, um, you know, it's it's good. It's wonderful exposure. We, we give them a handout about vegan outreach and we let them know right there. I mean, because some of those people have never even come across vegan food, you know, it didn't, would never even occur to them. So it's great that, you know, we're out there exposing and, um, and I'm glad to help help Debbie out as
1: well. Oh, you you were a lifesaver. Thank you both. You're amazing. Uh, the work you do is incredible. Danny Rook, and there's also supportandfeed.com because we want to keep our vegan yes. restaurants open during this time and Support and Feed, which is run by Maggie Baird, who happens to be Billie Eilish and Phineas's mom. Uh, has created this organization where she's a vegan, she gets people to donate to the vegan restaurants in New York, LA, and Philly, and you can start it in any place. Uh, you can start in any city, there's a how-to. And then they go and they feed the first responders, people in homeless shelters, people who are elderly, people who are isolated. What a great program. Uh, to you, know, you. She's actually, thinking outside the box on how to come up with solutions, Danny. Uh,
4: yeah, I think living in the solution and not uh, complaining about the problem is a really uh, important distinction because, um, and the only way that we can sustainably be in the solution is to come from love. And when I say love and compassion and kindness, I don't mean nice and I don't mean polite. <laughs> those are nice things and I support those too. But what I mean is speaking truth to power, but also uh, also knowing who your audience is, who you're talking to and having the heart and the mind to, to meet people where they are. So to, to really be authentic, your, be your authentic self with whoever it is you're engaging with. The interesting thing is one of the best ways to do that is in person and really up close and personal, whether it's you know one on one or three on four or 10 on 100 or 20 on a million. But now we're forced in many ways to be on social media except for the you know, the, the, the protests and the, the rebellions uh, right now, the necessary rebellions. Uh, that the only thing that seems to be heard right now. But the irony is that the best way is, you know, connecting person to person, you know, in person, but we can't. So social media really sets the stage for a lot of divisiveness and misunderstanding and out of context. Yeah, but and it's also a way that we have communication. I was going to yeah. get to that. Yeah. So yeah. it is also, so really we have to always be mindful, check ourselves. Uh, am I using this, this opportunity, this tool, this, this instrument, this model, this situation uh, in, in service of having more understanding? Whatever it is you want more of, give more of. If you want more under, to be understood, then, then have more understanding. Listen. And and, and and doesn't mean put up with BS. It doesn't. It means just you know, daring conversations, hard truths, but listening hard too and asking questions, especially, wouldn't it be amazing if non-vegans genuinely wanted to ask real questions of vegans? We as ethical vegans—I hate that word—but you know, we're, you know, uh, you know—we would know what that means. Veganism. We as ethical vegans love it when somebody genuinely wants to know. They don't ask questions like "What about plants?" or "What about this?" or "What about?" They're not being antagonistic. They're genuine. We all want to be doing that
1: with each other. All Gen- right. I want to get to sure final you. thoughts because we only have a couple of minutes. Paige, let's, that's well, no, all right, uh, your final <laughs> thoughts, Paige, on all of this, because we've covered a lot of ground. We've covered pandemics. We've covered the unrest. We've covered um, justice, peace. We've covered um, environmental racism, dietary racism, world hunger, climate change. It's a lot.
5: Yes, it is, and I want to say something about today's World Milk Day, and I invite all of you that are out there that are listening and those of you that we're going to be sharing with to go on to some of these, there's thousands of them, uh, dairy social medias, and make comments and and, and make uh, justifications as to our points of view. Go to Switch for Good, suggest that. Make sure you sign that petition. Um, we have we vote with our dollars. We also have the, the clickability uh, power right now to click, share, sh- and save and go on and also support those that are putting out powerful messaging about what is happening on this global pandemic as well as on the nation's challenge right now that we are dealing with and share out. That's my point. Thank you very much, Paige. Kim, um, I just want to remind
6: us all to help solve world hunger and and to consider going plant based and remember that peace begins on our plate.
1: Okay, I love it. Um, Gwenna. Gwena.
3: Um, yeah, as we as vegans, as we like to tell people to expand their capacity to love and to also consider the animals. As vegans and animal rights activists, we need to do the same. Just because you're in the human body doesn't mean you still can't expand more of your capacity to love other humans as well. So, I just want us all to just like love each other. But you know, the rage is happening. But even with that, it's it allows it to flow out of you. Because I went through a lot of rage over the weekend, and now as I've been able to talk about things, it's been flowing out of me, and I'm starting to feel more calm. So. Even though there is rage, there's also love. So
1: well, very well said, Danny?
4: Oh, I thought I thought uh, I thought I said it, but I'll, right. I'll say well. one more thing then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just um, I'm just so glad that we're having these conversations. And um, it's okay to be outraged. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to uh, feel emboldened. It's okay to feel, you know, whatever you're feeling, it's okay. I'm just speaking to me. I'm speaking to all of, I'm speaking to those of us who are listening. Um, just, just know that everything that you say and do makes a difference. You know, every, everything that we think, everything that we say and everything we do. So know that we are more powerful than we realize. So what works for me is to constantly have a creative response to everything. All the things I do, 99.9% of them, I don't plan. I just basically just keep, you know, responding from a, a place that feels like I need to express myself. And I want to, I want people to feel and like I want to bring out the
1: best in myself and in others. That's what I try to time. do. We are out of time. I want to thank everybody for participating. Um, you guys are my heroes. Uh, I I say a prayer for peace, for justice, for evolution for kindness for compassion Mm -hmm. and um we will just keep doing the next indicated thing stay out of the results and try to make this a kinder world for every every living being um and i want to thank you gwenna for what you do Kim for what you do, Paige for what you do, Danny for what you do. You are all my heroes. You are on. You, Jane, for what you I do and giving you. us yes. this
4: platform. Thank you. Thank I you, love you. Jane. All right, guys. Love
1: you too. Bye bye. Right, Peace. Bye bye.